You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast today, brought to you by Locker Room. Some more details on Locker Room in a little bit. But on today's show, Ryan Finkelstein and I, part two of our podcast, crossover podcast, we discuss Juan Soto. Is he the best hitter in the division? Plus, we give some picks for our playoff teams in the National League. Another fun edition of a crossover show uh, here on a Wednesday. Hope you guys enjoy. So yeah, we hit on the bullpen, uh, and we now we you know we hit on the the starting rotation as well. One thing I want to talk to you about from the, from the Mets' perspective is the lineup. So, a good problem to have, right? Is where the hell do we fit everybody? I'm my my personal I just kind of laid out for us like opening day. You're facing a right-handed pitcher, um, right? Let's just put it. Let's just go ahead and say you're facing a right-handed pitcher. Yeah. All right. Where are you going? What is the, uh, you know, what's the lineup going to be like? Who's playing where? So right now it sounds like it's set in stone that the top two is going to be Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor. From there, I think they're kind of trying to decide if they want to go Conforto three or Alonzo three, the other one batting four. Personally, I'd go Conforto three. I just like, I know that we've moved away from the natural cleanup hitter, but I mean, if there's ever been a cleanup hitter, it's Pete Alonzo. So that's the way I would roll that top four. And then, I mean, they got, like you said, it's a good problem to have. Probably Dominic Smith, Jeff McNeil. Um, you know, McNeil probably playing second. J.D. Davis probably going to be playing third, batting behind them. And then you have James McCann catching. So I think that's what they're going to do. And when you have, you know, the second best free agent catcher and James McCann batting eighth for you, I think you can say this lineup is pretty loaded, top to bottom. So in this situation, because I think the lineup is so good, would you potentially hit the – I mean, this, there's so many schools of thought of hitting the pitcher eighth. Like, I remember Terry Collins, that, that crap all the time. Like, is there any chance to do that? I, I would just say I like the idea of, like, you know, having somebody in front of your – especially the case of Trey Turner. Like, so Trey Turner leads off a lot. The guy hits so much. Would you almost put somebody ninth? So, you know, if they can get on, then you have actually a run scoring opportunity when you turn the lineup over. Or are you just going, because the lineup is so good, to structure it one through eight and, you know, you say, hey, put your spot, we'll just hit a ninth. I think it just depends on, you know, the type of team you have, you know. So if Andres Jimenez was still the Mets shortstop and it wasn't Francisco Lindor, like that's a guy that I'd say, you know what, put him in the nine hole. He gets on base a lot. He's fast. He can score a lot of runs to be in that position where he can get on base for the top of the lineup. With this team, I mean, I don't see that guy. I mean, sure, like you could theoretically, if you wanted to really load that, you know, go from nine through, you know, nine, one, two. If you want to put Jeff McNeil ninth, you could, but why would right. you bat him that low in your lineup? So right. I think they'll be traditional with it. That's because I was thinking this for, so the, the Mets or the Nationals rather have been hitting Victor Robles leadoff in a lot of their, of their spring training games. To me, I get why you would, because you want to have Turner and Soto 2-3. But also, if you go with the theory of you want your best two hitters to get as many A-Bs as possible, right, you'd hit them one and two. So maybe Robles, if you like his speed and you like the way he gets on base, that's a guy who can swing over to ninth, and it kind of gives you that natural turnover and maybe some chance to drive and run to the top of the order. That's I was going to – 
Yeah, ahead. I was going to mention Victor Robles as a guy that I would bat ninth. That, that makes a lot of sense for the Nationals because, again, you know, he could be that table setter, but it's not like he gets on base a ton. So to bat him ninth could be kind of a, a nice way to kind of bridge that gap to see if he can eventually become a table setter. And look, if he's having an awesome year offensively, then maybe you bat him lead off and then you, you go two, three with Turner Soto. I do want to talk to you about Juan Soto for a minute yes, here. Sure. Because I was doing, you know, like I said, I was great in the outfield and I was looking at his career numbers and it is absolutely ridiculous. His, his Wobo was over 400 for his career. And I think his WRC plus is 152. I think he's the best hitter in this division. And I think we could start to have a conversation about where he stacks up around baseball. The guy is ridiculous. Well, so it's really interesting that you mentioned the, the best hitter in baseball. It's something the Nationals Twitter does. It's like best hitter in baseball TM. Um, you know, I've run out of ways to describe the guy because I think the best way to look at it is this, is that I was, I was wondering what the effects of, of having an Anthony Rendon leave because having that kind of a guy in front of you, what an opportunity to learn. Because that guy is, I mean – Anthony Rendon is nothing special like what we've seen on the baseball field, right? There's no special um, athleticism, right? No special power. There, you know, I would just say the way he never got cheated was something that I really loved about Anthony Rendon. And having Juan Soto hit behind him, there's no way he, you know, even if he wasn't trying to absorb any of what Anthony Rendon was doing, he absorbed some of it. But the thing is, they talk about how much he wants to, and he loves to learn the game. And he's out here to try to get faster. He wants to steal more bases. You know, he wants his defense. He wants to win a gold glove, which he set his goals for. And the fact that once Rendon left, you know, last season, obviously he has those first eight games off or whatever. His team needed him so badly. And he showed up in a big way. Now, did anybody else show up besides Trey Turner? No, no, nobody else really cared. To, you know, and that was a lot of that was the big issues, right? You're hitting Stone. Well, until Stone Castro gets injured, but you're hitting guys like Kurt Suzuki fourth, or as Drupal Cabrera is hitting fourth. I mean, it's just not going to go well for you, you know, if you're hitting those guys fourth. But one, no matter what the circumstances was, were was fantastic, and there was no drop off. And it turned out that he, you know, he could be that guy where he, you know, he, he's okay shouldering the load. So as opposed to me giving you, trying to give you some adjectives to describe the way Juan Soto, uh, you know, what, the way he looks, the way, what, what, how I feel when I watch him, I think that's a great example of how great of a player he is and how the maturity thing, you know, he has, the, it's like watching a kid play baseball, but really the actual baseball player he is, is like a 30 year old. Like he is yeah. so mature with that. I mean, him understanding what his new role was within this team and this lineup, you could see it last year. So that's kind of, I think if you want an example of how good Juan Soto is and will continue to get, using the example of what happened when Rendon left is the best way to paint the picture of how his development as a baseball player is, is transpiring and how it's going to continue. And I, I think the conversations of, is he the best hitter in baseball? Sure, you may not think so, but he's got it. He's in the conversation. Yeah, you can't leave him out. And to be honest, if he has those eight games that he missed last year back and performs at the level that he does, I know his team's not as good, but I mean, I, I think it'd be hard not to vote for him for MVP. I think Freddie Freeman got the MVP last year because his team was good. And also he played eight more games than the guy who led him in most categories. So that's just kind of my take on that. 
Quick pause in the action here. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is a new app. It's live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Locker Room, is it's a free app. Once again, social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And here's the deal, guys. Go on your iOS app right now, or uh, excuse me, on your phone, iPhone. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app. It's free to join there. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league group, whatever group you guys want to join. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors. Um, and then you guys can get notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room uh, on Friday at noon, all right? On Friday at noon Eastern, come with your spiciest takes, all right? So download the Locker Room app. It's free online. It's like it's like Discord, but, uh, but audio version is how I describe it. So once again, at noon on Friday, we're gonna, I'm going to go live on Locker Room. You guys can follow me there, um, get the notification when I go live. And we'll talk some Nats, hopefully. You guys can join me there. We'll talk some Nationals. So, uh, yeah, join me. We'll be going live once again, noon on Friday, on the Locker Room app. Download it today. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar out there right now. It is delicious. It is nutritious. It is truly the best. If you guys go to at bar underscore built on Twitter, they have their Built Bar Madness Bracket Right now, you guys can vote on what your favorite Built Bar flavor is. They have matchups every single day, so go to at bar underscore built once again and vote every single day. And also, go to builtbar.com, try their Built Bars, try their Built Go, Built Boost, all of those things. Use that promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, Locked On 15. And you guys will get a 15% discount on your next order at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, for sure. And I think it really kind of points to the way this Nationals team is kind of comprised right now where I look at them and I say, you know, if you look at the World Series team, for one, there's still a lot of guys that are there yeah. from that team. But I think losing Rendon – it's something that hasn't even been talked about enough to lose a guy that important. Yet they still have Soto. They still have Trey Turner. And I think you could argue that as a one-two punch, they're as good as anyone in the division. And then you go to the rotation side, and they still have Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. So they have that top-flight talent. I just don't know if they have enough around those guys. You know, is, is Kyle Schwarber going to be you know, the, the old Kyle Schwarber right. and do something? I just don't know. I, I don't know if I can – Count well, on anyone else. You know, it's it's super interesting. So you, you brought up the point about Anthony Rendon leaving and it not being talked about, which is very Anthony Rendon because he's such a quiet guy, right? I mean, yeah. you know, him leaving. Uh, Nats fans talked about it, but it felt like it was just kind of something that, you know, it happened and there went. They haven't replaced that yet. And they've got Carter to keep him over there. They botched it the last year. Luckily for them, it was only 60 games and they can try to figure it out. But here's the problem is that this team is geared towards winning now. And we kind of figured out last season that things didn't go well and it didn't sit well with anybody. 
And so I like that because that's the kind of franchise that the Nats are going to be. Is there going to be a franchise that's, you know, and the way they've spent money in the last decade also tells you something. They're a franchise, the Lerner family, they want to go for it. Uh, they won a championship. They didn't, it didn't sit well to what happened last year. And so they've made, made some moves accordingly. This is a very Mike Rizzo team. Um, and here's, here's what I mean. Nobody, and I actually mean no, maybe the Dodgers. I, I don't think anybody wants to see this team in a playoff series. I don't, think, I don't think anybody wants to see a manager with still the three guys at the front of the lineup, who, or rotation rather, who got him there. I don't think anybody wants to see one side in the playoffs after the guy at 20 years old performed like, you know, I was, you know, was a rock star in the playoffs last time around. And here's what I'll say to the Schwarber thing. Right. That's, that was such a Mike Rizzo deal. One year, uh, you know, uh, a little over 10 million. They bring the guy in. They're going to make some adjustments. He's, and I talked about this a bunch. He's already tucking his head more, trying to keep his head in. So, you know, he, you know his head is detached from his body sometimes when he's swinging at pitches. And um, trying to get those guys like Bell and Schwarber to, to see the ball better. I know it's almost like a little league term, like seeing the ball better, but like that's what those guys need to do because they're actually going to see, in my opinion, uh, a steadier dose of fastballs. If you stack them up in the lineup together, you know, if you stack, you know, Turner, Soto, Schwarber, Bell, you know, when Bell is in Pittsburgh, you don't get as many, you know, you're, you're getting, you're going to pitch around you, right? And if you're going to chase, you know, they're not giving you something to hit. Well, now you can't pitch around all these guys, right? You can't be careful when you stack all those guys together. And so I, I think there is something to these, these guys coming into D.C. where we've seen a lot of good veterans come in and have nice runs. Um, I think Ryan Zerman's latest run has been attributed to the, the coaching staff here. Uh, he's done a great job working on his own, but I think this coaching staff has done a good job of keeping him feeling young, of keeping him energetic. The guy smashes lefties. Then they bring in somebody in Josh Bell, who they're basically, you know, they have a chance to platoon him at first. So that's going to be a really dangerous, you know, if you look at the aggregate of what they're going to get at first base, it's going to be dangerous in my opinion. So I think this team has a chance to stack some really good, um, I think their middle of their lineup has a chance to be really killer because those guys coming into DC, you know, Eric Thames is only the guy I can really think of who's come in and sucked. Like just all and no offense. He apparently is an awesome dude. So I hate saying that, but you know, he just flat out was awful. But for the most part, they bring these guys in, you know, you Howie Kendricks of the worlds, um, you know, Estrubal Cabrera, you know, 2019 version, these guys come in and do pretty well. So I do think there's a good chance that these guys come in. Now, for them, the issue is here, Ryan, they're one injury away from complete disaster. Like, this is not – there's no depth. This is not for, like, a team that – and it, it's hard to say that should be a knock on them, but look at the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, the Braves. Teams are all built, you know, like they're just a team full of superheroes. And that's what we're competing with this year, right? That's what you're competing with this year. So I know it was a long answer to your question, but – I, I do think the lineup's got a chance to be really good if they can keep it on the field. I forgot all about Josh Bell. I yeah. completely forgot. It was, and here's the brilliance of that deal was they, they traded two, like, middle – I actually forgot. I, I totally forgot how they traded in that trade. It was like, you know, the, the fifth and sixth-ranked pitching prospects, right? And, I mean, if you go and look at the, the Nationals prospects, the top ten guys were all pitchers. Uh, and so – they have had a hard, tough time developing those guys. But, hey, if you're not developing them all the time, why not use them as, as trade pieces to go and get a guy like Josh Bell, who's on a really – you know, it's a, I believe he's under control for one more season after this. So it's a low-risk situation 
not paying him a whole lot of money. And you're putting him in a situation where th- like this is optimal for Josh Bell, right? Hitting, hitting behind those guys is optimal. In Pittsburgh, there's nobody around. There's no protection anywhere. It's, it's Josh Bell is on the island. It's Josh, it's the Josh Bell show. It's not, it's not the case anymore. So it's not the case for either him or Kyle Schwarber. So, and also the back part of the lineup, like the really only big question I have is, is Carter Keeboom. Like I have no idea if he's going to be good or not. I don't think he is at this point, at least. It, like it's, he needs time. But the issue is on a team that's trying to win, how in a, in a, in a league that's just competitive, and I mean, the entire league is so competitive in the National League. How much time can you afford him? Because there's a situation where you can move Stalin Castro to third, who, I mean, you know, like not the best hitter in the world, but the guy's relatively productive, right? I mean, his hit numbers are unbelievable. And you could put a guy like Josh Harrison, who was super productive there at second, right? Or, you know, they might keep another middle infielder guy they can put in that spot. Um, how long is my question. Can you let the go? I actually kind of want your thoughts on that. If you had a guy like Carter Keeboom, but your goal is to win, how long is your leash with a guy like that playing at third base at a spot you need? It's really tough because, you know, we're talking about the Nationals and the expectations that they're trying to win. So, you know, do you really ride it out? I, I think they're going to give him a lot of run at the start of the season. And I think the hope is if he's not performing, the other guys around him can pick it up while he kind of learns on the fly, but it's tough to ride out those growing pains if you're really in the race. And when you have veterans, like you said, like Josh Harrison, Starling Castro, that can kind of fill those gaps and they might not be elite players, but you know what? I think you'll probably get close to league average production. And when you have those other stars around them, that's all you really need. So you just can't have someone in key boom who's hurting you. I don't know. Is he, is he a good defensive third baseman? Uh, that, sample, that, sample size is too small. I, it, I mean, okay. I, I'm not going to make any declarations about it because it's, it's only been – it's been 60 games in two seasons, I think. Yeah. And yeah, the, thing, so. the thing was last year is that, you know, I'm not sure if you remember this, but they had a super weird situation last year where they said it was basically Carter's job. I think due to matchups and maybe trust, they started as Drupal Cabrera there a couple times. Played Carter some. They sent him down to the alternate site for like a hot minute. And they're like, you know, no, 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 no. We're bringing him back up now. And so – you know, he ended up playing 40-some games, I think 40-some games last year, maybe. I, I forget how many it was. But, you know, from a confidence perspective, they mismanaged it. I mean, they are blowing some serious gas about him this offseason. I've heard, you know, the, pitch, the, 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 the staff has said, oh, love the way he looks. Clearly trying to get him motivated and ready to go. And I, I, I don't think – now, it's been hard to watch once again because of TV stuff. But um, not sure the performances have been great so far in spring training. I'm not a guy who looks into a whole lot. I look for small things like the Kyle Schwarber head thing in spring training, you know, how your pitchers are looking, stuff like that. I'm not so into the, um, you know, performance part of it, as I'm sure you're not either, um, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, hitting, because a lot of guys are, are tinkering with stuff at this point in time. But, uh, yeah, performances have not been excellent. But it's his job. It, it is his job, and they're going to need him because of the amount of killer, killer teams in this entire National League. I've been saying this a bunch, Ryan. There ain't no 1931 this season. 1931, you can, you can it's out. It's, you ain't coming back to 1931. You're just not. I, I want to kind of push this towards a playoff conversation with you. You know, I think the Mets make it, but let's just play it out with these. I've been playing this out with everybody, the, the, the division winner conversation. Let's just say the Dodgers win. 
Cardinals win, the Braves win. There are now two playoff spots left, which I think is really crappy. They should expand a little bit, a little bit more, not much more, but a little bit more. Okay, so the Padres probably get one, and the Mets probably get one. The Nets to make the playoffs need one of those teams for, for something to go wrong or for, for things for them to go really, really right. And that's why I think is, it's just such – it's going to be such a tough year. Yeah, I think you're looking at right now all these teams, and especially in this division, I look at the Nationals and the Phillies in one class. I look at mm-hmm. the Braves and the Mets in another class, and I think the Marlins are kind of hovering somewhere in there where – you know, me and Dylan were talking about it where I said, you know, the Marlins aren't a team that's going to win the division, but they might cost you the division. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Because they're a team that could just win 13 games against you. Like, what the hell happened? But I look at teams like the Marlins, and I don't see a ton that you can just beat up on, particularly in this division. So, like you said, you can't fall behind because it's going to be tough for you to pick up games. And you talk about the playoffs and – for now, like you said, only two wild cards. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. I mean, you would think the Padres are going to be great, but I mean. They're the one team I'm not sure about, but I don't think the level of competition they're playing is going to be, like, besides the Dodgers. The Giants were fun last year, but let's, I mean, I don't think anybody thought what the Giants were doing last season was very sustainable, right? And yeah. so you're going to be playing them. The Diamondbacks are always, they're always in the mix, but I, I mean, once again, I'm not really sure they're going to be in the mix. And then you're going to go and you're going to, you should be hammering the Rockies. And I, I, you mentioned a great point with the Marlins. Those are the series, in my opinion, they're going to, that are going to make or break teams. Yeah. It's the, okay, we've got forward Miami this weekend, right? We, we think we can take a breather. And then you hop back on the plane on Sunday night, you lost three in Miami, three or four in Miami. You know what I mean? Oh, we're playing the Rockies this weekend. You know, they took two or three from us, right? Because, I think some of these division battles might be close. You know, if, if you're playing, you know, if you're splitting, uh, let's say the Mets win 10, the Nats win nine. Okay. You know, it's pretty close, right. Or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. But what separates you is what'd you do in Colorado? What'd you do in Arizona? You know, what would you do in those places? And what'd you do in Miami? Right. Cause you have a lot, a lot more games against those two, these teams. What'd you do against the, the Cubs? What'd you do against the, the, the Reds? You know, if you're dropping two of threes there, and the other teams, teams are sweeping or getting two or three. That's where, these, that's where the gap is created, in my opinion. I think you're going to yeah. see a lot of close, uh, especially I mean, amongst these elite teams that we mentioned, I think we're going to see a lot of closeness. But I, I think those other series are where it's won and lost. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I live in South Florida, so I've, I've watched the Mets. I've gone, I've taken the drive down to Miami and, you know, watch a couple of games and watch the Mets get completely blanked by some random pitcher who's making his Pablo debut. Lopez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. LCR Hernandez, whoever it is. <laughs> I mean, some guy just comes up. They, they're 27. They have a, a 4.8 ERA in their minor league career, and they shut out the Mets for seven innings. You don't know what the hell's going on. So I, I've seen it so many times that those are definitely the games that you look back on. You're like, I cannot believe that they lost. And I also think that when you get down the stretch, you start to do that like schedule schedule where you're looking at, okay, these are the five teams in the wild card race, who's playing where, where can the Mets gain ground? And that's where you're trying to like figure out what's the path to the playoffs. And it never breaks the way you think it will. It, right. You know, the Brewers all of a sudden win 13 out of 14 against really good teams. And you're like, how are they doing this? But they just keep winning one run games. And I think that's the thing is we don't know which uh, there's going to be a team that we don't expect 
that's going to have a great year. One more quick pause in the action today. Let you guys know today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. You guys know the deal. Football season's over, but college hoops, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time updated odds and props for almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, at betonline.ag. Once again, sign up. If you guys deposit 100 bucks, you guys use the promo code locked on, you'll get another 50 to play with. So whatever you guys deposit, 50% more will be added to your account. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Like Milwaukee still has talent. Chicago, I mean, like, yeah, they yeah, they're talented. The hell, That's the thing is, they're talented in that division. But the, the problem, and you're so right about this, but to me, it's like the, these teams are such monsters. That it's like, where is this random team going to – I mean, Central's probably correct, but where is a random team going to come from and challenge these teams? Because I look at the Phillies and the Nats, and they're trying to win, but I just don't – I don't see a pathway for them with these other teams being so damn good. Like, that's – because we've never had – we've never had a National League this stacked before. I mean, yeah. the, three, the three teams top the – the four teams, excuse me, top the National League. The Dodgers, the Padres, the Braves, the Mets are – unbelievably loaded and you I mean in a normal year you look at the Phillies and the Nats rosters and you'd say those are really good teams those are playoff teams you can't say that anymore I mean you can't say that and somebody is going to be very upset when they're left out but I mean I think I think the Brewers are the most likely team to make that push in my opinion I don't know where else it's coming from what do you think I think the dirty little secret is it all comes down to your bullpen. I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, you can have a team that doesn't score a ton of runs, doesn't even have maybe the best rotation. But if that bullpen is locked down, if they find four or five guys that are just lights out for a season, you just keep winning those one-run games, and your run differential might not be that great. You might even have a negative run differential, but your record, you know, you can stack wins. So that would be how one of the Giants would fall off. It, let's just say the Dodgers have an absolutely terrible bullpen. You know, I, I still don't think that I, this stuff, they have so much talent. I, I, still, <laughs> I, I just said it. And I was, That's what I'm saying, right? It's like, how did, how is I, one of these teams going to suck? It's, it's, it feels I, like impossible. I, I was trying to make my point, and I'm like, you know what? The Dodgers just well, win 15 I, to 14. I, I think the Padres, I think the Padres are the one that I look at and I say, look, there's a lot of momentum there. Not a, there's not a winning pedigree top to bottom though, right? Like think about this: the Mets can set like the, I mean, the Braves. You could say the same thing, but also all those guys have been there forever and they've won. They've won at an extent for a long time, right? They've won the division a bunch, so they have they have some semblance of winning at, at a consistent level. The Mets have a bunch of guys who have either won or you know or been in a lot of guys who have been in World Series. A lot of guys who have been in World Series in those big stadiums. I don't think anybody actually has won, but they've got guys who have made that trip to the mountaintop. Um, I don't know if the Padres bring a, a ton of that to the table. And I think there is something to be said, and I, this could crush the Mets too, but there is a weight of expectation. And 
there is a lot riding on guys like Chris Paddock and Nelson Lamette. Two guys I don't really know if we're sure yet if they're going to be consistently great pitchers, right? But there's a lot riding on those guys to complete their rotation. There's a lot riding on that bullpen too. And so we talked about it, those games, you know, those, those nights in Colorado, like your bullpen needs to be solid there. The bullpen can't cost you games when you're, when you're in Cincinnati or, you know, when you're in Chicago. They can't happen. I think my eyes turn to the Padres as a team. It's, maybe it's my East Coast bias. Maybe, maybe it's being an East Coast elite, Ryan. But the Padres are the ones I look at. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at, like, Blake Snell, how many times have we seen a Rays pitcher go to another team and not perform the same way? I mean, David Price, I, I guess he had some good moments right after the trade, but really hasn't quite been the same. You know, Chris Archer, the greatest example. So, I mean, you'd think Blake Snell would be awesome in San Diego, but, I mean, I don't know for sure. So, yeah, I think that they're you – know, I look at the Padres and the Mets, and they're very similar teams mm-hmm. where the expectations are really high. But if I'm sitting in June and suddenly, like, the, the, everything falls apart for them, I'm not going to be, like, completely stunned. Because, you know, honestly, as a Mets fan, I've seen it forever – and I never count on the Padres. It's one of those teams where they have to win for an extended period of time before you trust them. And again, maybe it's our East Coast bias. But I look at the Padres, even if it's like, like you look at, I'm actually, so I'm a Heat fan, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the schedule ahead and the Heat are playing the Grizzlies this week. And my gut reaction with the Grizzlies is, oh, that's not the hardest game. And then you think about it and you're like, oh, wow, they actually have a pretty good team now. Yeah. That's kind of where I am with the Padres. Like if you see the Padres in the schedule, your first reaction might be, are they really that good? And then you remember, oh, yeah, they have all this talent. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I mean, I think I, – here's the thing. I'll say this. I'd be shocked if that was the Mets. I actually would be shocked if it was the Mets falling apart here. I think, I think they are catching a lot of guys at the right time in their careers. I, I think there's a lot – I think, I think for guys like Conforto and McNeil and Alonzo and Lindor – there's all, they all have something to prove. Uh, even Dominic Smith. Got, they have a lot of guys with something to prove. Um, I like that. So I, to, I, mean, I was just going to say to bank off that, their starting lineup, James McCann is the oldest at 30 years old. Everyone else is like 25 to 28. So everyone is in their primes. And, and, the, and you know, James McCann even has to prove, hey, were you worth that money, right? Were, were you worth, you know, being paid that much? Um, Marcus Stroman has something to prove, right? I mean, you know, he's got a chance to make uh, life-changing. I mean, he's already made some life-changing money, but life-changing money this year, doesn't he? You know, Noah Syndergaard, another guy who's got, got out, coming off injury, something to prove. Carlos Carrasco, you know, it's, it, can, can you make it in New York? Can you pitch like that? And obviously, things aren't going to go well for all of these guys. No, it's not, you know, somebody's, somebody's going to trip up. But I like the fact that there's something on the line for the Mets. Um, I don't know if the Padres, I mean, sure, maybe you got an argument for the Padres, but there's still a lot. I still have some questions about the Padres. I, I really do. I'd be, I'd be surprised if this Mets team collapses in, in the term you use. I think next year for the Padres is the year in my mind that goes, to, that makes a lot of sense, right? I, I think just kind of everything for them, you know, we see it so much in baseball, the Nats, Dodgers, there's some seasoning. There's some losing that has to be done normally before you get some winning, right? How often do we see teams just kind of go on that rocket ship to the moon, 
no losing involved at all, and they're just they're fine. They're good to go, and they win it. Usually, there are some rough roads that must be traveled first. Yeah, definitely. And I almost think that for some of those young teams, that's where the 60-game season mm-hmm. might come back to haunt them because you have a team like the Padres, even the Marlins who kind of got a shortcut, all of that, and get to the playoffs and feel like they're in October. But, you know, I, I don't think that that should kind of give them that false sense of hope that they're, they're a returning playoff team when everyone made it last year. And now you really got to – you know, go through your lumps over a whole season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I, I think that they're, I, I could see a team like the Padres halfway through the season really kind of dealing with those dog days in the, of the middle of the year. Or, I mean, I think like we're talking about, they could kind of fall off a bit. All right, Ryan, let's wrap things up. So who are yeah. your five playoff teams in the National League? All right. Um, obviously, it's got to be the Dodgers. I think we're talking – I think we're, I'm starting to say maybe the Padres don't make it because something has to give, right? <laughs> I talked to you into the Padres not being a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. I'm down <laughs> on the Padres just from, you know, 30 minutes with Josh here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say – you know, I'm going to say the Cubs are going to win the Central. Uh, just, wow. Just a, yeah, a little hot take. You know, I, I don't wow. know. I, I, like, I like Grandpa Rossi as the manager. I, I don't know why. I just feel like <laughs> – that, you know, he can do some weird stuff in that clubhouse where they can go on a run. No, I have to ask you, but do you, so you feel like they're going to keep the team together because it feels like they're starting to kind of distribute I, here. I think that everyone is talking so much about that, but then when you mm. look at the roster, you know, they were one of those teams that, like, everyone had a bad 2020. But oh, yeah. is, are Javi Baez and Chris Bryant not still, like, awesome players? I think mm-hmm. they are. So – I look at the team that they have, and I just see them as a team that, you know what, I've been to Wrigley. You go into the summer months with fans in that ballpark, and the Cubs just win games in the daylight of of summer. So I I feel like the Cubs are a team that's going to surprise some people. I think that as much as I've been saying the Braves are going to win the division, I also actually believe the Mets might. So I'm going to say the Mets are going to win the division. I think the Braves are the number one wild card. I got the Dodgers. I got the Cubs. And for the second wild card team, I think it's going to be the Cards. So I got the Cardinals. Wow. So you're, you're mixing it up here a little bit. So you've got no Padres in there. Now, do, do you have the Cardinals making it? I do. See, I, so, yeah. I also think that I feel like the Reds and um, the Pirates are going to be really bad. It's going to help some of those other central teams. Yeah, that is true. I mean, because – None of the National League East teams have that luxury, right? Yeah. I mean, there is there is no, you know, because what is it? It's a combined 38 games against those teams you get. So yeah, you get 19, 19 games against each one. So, right, yeah. So 30, 30, yeah, 38 games against those two teams, man. It's pretty, yeah. you know, it's, it's a pretty good deal for them. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of I'm, – I'm with you on okay, – so I, I do think the Mets and the Braves both go. I think the Braves in the division again. Uh, once again, I, I'm going to roll with that until proven otherwise. Um, I'm going to go with the Cardinals winning the Central. I'm going to go I'm, – I'm pretty chalky here. Cardinals win the Central. Dodgers win the West. For the other playoff spot, I think the Padres – when I say collapse, I don't mean like collapse, collapse. I just think between them and the Mets, I trust the Mets more. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a chance the Mets go into playoffs maybe with a worse record, right, just because they played tougher teams. But I do think – but like there's a chance that I feel better about the Mets then I do the Padres, if that makes sense. I will say that would be a fun wild card game. If it's Padres, Mets, the two kind of flashy uh-huh. teams that have been talked about all offseason, they, they make it to the end and you get Jacob DeGrom versus 
I don't know what you Darvish or whoever they got. Yeah, I mean that that's that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, East Coast versus West Coast. Yeah, there, there's my. I'm I'm going chalk. People boo me. I know it's boring. Um, if you want non-chalk, check out my NCAA bracket. Check out Locked On Big Twelve for that stuff. Shameless plug. All right, Ryan, it was awesome talking ball with you. I always always enjoy when we get to these crossovers. Where can people find you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets, and wherever you get your podcast, you can find it. All right, and then for you Mets fans out there who just want some nas- more nationals in your life, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find the show at LO underscore Nationals. And then you guys can find the podcast Locked On Nationals wherever you guys get your podcast. Ryan, this was awesome, man. Enjoyed it. Yep, it was a lot of fun. <laughs>